Hello and welcome to my final Rugby Coach Weekly podcast. My name is Lisa Bird Burgess and today I'm delighted to welcome a great friend of mine and both a trailblazing pioneering top class women's coach and an ex-international England player, Giselle Mather. Good morning, Giselle. It's great to have you on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm just going to say a little bit about you now because your credentials are truly amazing. As an England rugby player, um, Giselle helped England win the Rugby World Cup in 1994. And then in 2006, 12 years later, she returned to England as a, the backs coach, helping them return to the World Cup final. Her coaching journey has seen her work with London Irish elite player development groups. And in 2008, she became the first female to be awarded the RFU Level 4 Award for Coaching Rugby Union. She's also been head coach for England under 20s. Teddington Antlers men's first 15, which saw an incredible 63 unbeaten runs, four back-to-back promotions and winning two national cups. And we're going to revisit that because there's, there's some great stories along there. And currently she's um, Wasps Ladies Director of Rugby, coaching the women's in the Tyrrells Premiership. And um, I'm certainly looking forward to playing against Wasps this weekend as a, a third, fourth place playoff. So that's going to be great with Giselle this weekend. So welcome, Giselle. It's really great to catch up with you and chat about your phenomenal coaching journey. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing, I'm doing fine. As, uh, as you say, we've got this big game tomorrow. So uh, that's uh, an interesting side, side plot to what we're doing right now. <laughs> I know. Two coaches talking prior to the fixture. Excellent. But anyway, so how, how easy was it for you to transition into the role of coach, you know, after playing? Because, you know, 34 international caps, amazing achievement. You had, a, you had a phenomenal background as well in sport, didn't you, with athletics, etc. Tell us a little bit about that, how you find that transitioning from a player to a coach and what made you want to do that? Um, well, I... From the age of nine, I knew I wanted to be a PE teacher, which sounds a bit bizarre, but uh, that's what, what I declared at the age of nine. And uh, I set about about doing that and went through went through all my teaching uh, quals and and then taught for 14 years alongside my, my playing career. And when it got to the end of my playing career, I knew that I loved the sport, um, really enjoyed the teaching that I was doing. And so the two kind of collide. Um, yeah. So I had a like a, a natural progression in really because you know if you're a PE teacher organizing sessions and, and stuff isn't isn't an issue um it's obviously the other side of coaching that you, you've got to work on that's slightly different to that of teaching but uh yeah it was it was sort of a natural progression and, and kept me in the game so I didn't I didn't really feel the the sadness that a lot of people do feel when they stop playing um because I was ready to have a family and being a female rugby player and having babies doesn't quite go together at the same time. Um, so running around pregnant isn't actually what goes on <laughs> in the sport. So it, that was a natural progression for me. I, I wanted a family um, and was immediately coaching as soon as I hung up my boots. So was never really out of touch with the game. So I, 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 didn't, I didn't struggle with that transition at all. Brilliant. And so you kind of made your mind up when you were young that that's what you wanted to do in the teaching, as you said, led yourself into coaching. And what was your first coaching role? What did you do as your first coaching role? Ironically, um, I was asked to coach the development side for England. So kind of England A at the time. And we're going back a bit here. Um, But it was, you know, I remember vividly I had Jasper, my first child. He was at eight months old and I had to take uh, England development side to the European Championships, um, and we had yeah it was a, a ten day 
tour where we had three games, which even now you think about it, three three games in 10 days at internationals. It's like, wow. Yeah. But, um, I remember Jeff Richards, who was the head coach of, of uh, the senior side at the time, saying to me just before, you know, about th- two weeks before we left, he said, Giselle, have you ever taken uh, an international side on, on a tour before? I went, no, you know, blissfully anyway. He said, we need to sit down and have a chat. So he, he kind of educated me very quickly as to the hours that it would be and, and what I, the requirements would be of me while I was out there. And uh, I left that meeting somewhat shell-shocked. And when I got out to France to to deliver this, it, it was exactly as he said. And I, I remember sitting there analysing a game at one o'clock in the morning with my son in a rocker top, you know, the little car seat yeah. carrier things rocking him with my foot because he'd woken up and analysing stats and doing God knows what else um, and thinking, God, what Jeff told me was right. And I have to say that 10 days was the biggest eye-opener I've ever had. Um, I was shattered when I came home because having looked after the little one as well, although the girls on tour were fabulous with him at downtime. But, um, yeah, it was a, a huge learning curve for me, but also a fabulous experience and clearly didn't put me off. Wow. So. No, and like you say, a phenomenal achievement to take a little one as well away with you, coaching an international side. That's just incredible. And, and like you said, unbelievable. Three internationals in how many days did you say? Was that in five days you played? It was three and ten then. Three and right? ten. Blurman, ten. heck. Three and ten. That's just that's, that was the traveling out there, the you know, the whole thing was ten days and it was like wow. And it just shows uh, just goes to show where women's rugby has come, you know, from and it and is now, you know, that would never happen in today's with recovery, etc. for players. But that's just no, that's an incredible start to your coaching journey. Um and what do you what do you actually enjoy about coaching? Your your passion, obviously, you know, anything I read about you knowing you as a person, your passion comes through. Um what 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 do you really enjoy about it? It's nuts. <laughs> it's quite simple. <laughs> it's absolutely nuts. It's never dull. It's it's a job that is is just never dull, is it? I mean, it's you know, yes, you 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 have a sort of timetable of sessions, but you know, you never know what your athletes are going to turn up like. You don't know what results you're going to get. You don't know, you know, there's all these things that that change it every minute of every day, and. I'm fascinated with elite sport and and how pressure affects performance. Fascinated in getting the best out of out of people. Um, love working with people. How individuals work. Yeah. Um, all of those things, and they all all combined. And it's it's. I don't know. It's just a job that I never feel I've cracked. I never feel that you know. There's always something to learn. Literally on a daily basis your reactions to 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 results to how people achieve to athlete selection for higher higher things it's all you know making a difference on a daily basis and 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 in people's lives not just the people that take to the rugby mm. field but what they're like in their own lives and i feel as as our as the coaches we have big impact there as well and it's 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 a a privilege it's crazy it's never dull it's fascinating it's everything I love it yeah and that certainly comes through and he talked about that you know pressure affects performance as well and it's um as a coach obviously you've got to create those um coaching opportunities during your practices to enable the the, the players to experience that when you're training how do, how do you go about that you know if you've if you've had a game and you've experienced a really difficult um challenge in that game how do you recreate that then in the training environment for those players to experience that 
yeah, it's that's that's a fascinating one because I think I think pressure in itself, you know, you obviously have the the, the, the direct look at pressure of of you know athletes flying towards you and trying to take your head off while you're trying to pass the ball and you know and obviously that that comes down to the technical side of the game and the tactical side of the game, but there's also a much bigger thing for me about pressure of of how athletes perceive things and how you know athletes. Uh, respond to certain situations either within the team or that a situation opponent brings the situation um, weather can bring you know the sudden downpour in the middle of a game that you know all of these things are and and I believe that a lot of that is cultural how we set the system up how we behave on a day-to-day basis how we discuss situations how we view different opponents you know, do we see them as threats or do we see them as opportunities? Yeah. Um, when we take a loss, do we see it as we're failures or do we see it as learning opportunities? And all of the ways that you do that on a day-in, day-out basis becomes how athletes view pressure. And so when that person is running at you at 100 miles an hour, it's not just a technical thing. It becomes part of who and what we are. And I think that's a, a day-to-day coaches challenge which we do in several several different ways at wasps and and just to explore that a little bit more so so you touched there on the side the cultural side how how big is it you know is it for you developing that culture within the team i would say it's massive absolutely massive i'm a um i would suggest that people would would refer would 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 say that that is something that is a, a major thing with how i work and what i do um and the, the, the culture side is, you know, people talk a lot about culture now and it's kind of like a buzzword, isn't it? But f- for me, it's about it's about day-to-day behaviours. It's about expectations. It's about how we treat each other. It's about athletes knowing what they want and why they do what they do. And me trying to facilitate an environment for everybody to achieve the why. Um, it's about challenging conversations um you know as, as a coach I've, I've over the years if you if you hold something back that you feel is a block to the performance because you think they won't be able to take it or they won't like it or it will be difficult it only comes back to bite you in the arse later on so it's about yeah it's about being courageous about having those conversations with people and saying things to people that perhaps other people wouldn't say but as your coach their coach if they genuinely want to get the best out of what of who and what they are, um, you have to have them with them. And you've got to look after them in how you have it. And I think that a lot of people will say things without the backup, pre or post. Um, But it's then revisiting those. It's about making sure the person hears the actual message that you're saying. Um, Because often you say something and the athlete leaves and says, she said this. And it's like, no, I didn't say that. And it's perception. It's how, you know, because if, if you're telling someone that they're not picked and the reasons they're not picked they what they they hear they're not picked and they don't really hear anything else especially if it's really important to them or it's and it, it's about making sure that they have really heard what you're saying and you know that needs revisiting if you have delivered a harsh a harsh message that is kind of wrapped up in perhaps who they are as people then that's quite hard because you're you're challenging them as a person but that they're the thing in their personality is blocking them from achieving what they want in their sport. So you have to help them investigate that. That's all cultural. And I, I just feel that there's there's a, a, a huge amount. And 
there's times when I've got it right, spot on. There's times when I've got it wrong, really wrong. And you have to go back and repeat it and, and take it back with the athlete and work it through. And why my perception is this and why theirs is this. And, and we go on and on and on. But by, but by creating that environment where it's, it's okay to have those conversations sees huge advancement in how they are as people and as pressure. And holistically as well, like you said, it's so important. And do you use, um, you know, talking about new and aspiring coaches there, um, do you use um, software to help you sometimes analyse place performance? I know we use we use a system called Huddle at Gloucester Hartbury. What, what do you use at WAS and how do you go about that? Um, Say, for, for example, coaches that maybe don't have the access to that type of software. Yeah, we, we've we've actually gone to three different platforms. We change one every year. My analyst keeps messing around and changing them every year <laughs> <laughs> because he believes that he can get more out of it and what have you. And, and me as my me and my awe-inspiring technological ability, not is um, <laughs> I find that I find that quite challenging. As as does LJ, who's uh, coaching with us now. This the, the current system. We're both looking at going. Oh my god. But hey, Giselle, though, yeah. I have to stop you there and say we both managed to get on this podcast this morning, so that's pretty impressive for us, let's be honest. <laughs> and, and that, honestly, that special, I, I, I did fail first on my first computer and I am on my son's computer. But, <laughs> yes, we have, we have managed. But, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, we use all those systems, obviously, to help review stuff and, and for athletes to have their own individual clips, all of that kind of stuff is... Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's goes on. And I was just saying at the grassroots level, you know, I, I've used myself when I haven't had anything, just my phone or, or an iPad, you know, because you can have playback on, on those as well. And it's really useful to show, you know, again, for those aspiring coaches, players that they're developing, just little things that they can improve on and actually seeing it really helps visually as well, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And there's uh, loads of apps that you can have on your phone. Coach's Eye, um, you would yep. something and then you can mess with it and use, you know, lots of things on it. It's actually really advanced little little app that is and you yeah so you're out on the field and you can use those you know and and anyone can download those it's not a a huge platform or anything it's individual on your phone yeah it's brilliant and and like you said they are right there you know so going back to um aspiring coaches what three pieces of advice could you offer some aspiring coaches to be on top of their game okay for me on that one i would go you have to have a vision um, so you have to know where you're taking your athlete, your team, and not just next week, but that season and the next two, three years. Because if you don't have a vision, you're just muddling through week on week and you become reactive rather than proactive. So, you know, it's, it's very, very easy in sport to you watch your athlete perform or your team perform. And then you go, oh, right, well, this was the line out was really poor. So we'll do line out next week. And then the next week it's, oh, well, the catch pass was rubbish. So we're going to, you know, we dropped so much ball. We'll work on that. And if you just always react to what you've seen in front of you, it, it's got no continuity. Athlete development doesn't work like that. You have to pick things that are important to the way you want to play and, and stick with those. And yes, you've got to correct. So I try to work in my training plans week in, week out on a 75, 25% basis. So we're 75% okay. proactive and we stick yeah. to what the vision is and where we want the team to go and what skills we believe are uh, right for Wasp's way to play. And then 25% is, yeah, the line out was rubbish, so we've got to sort that out. Or, you know, our tackle completion was poor or our roll away was poor and we got pinged loads for it, so we'll work on that. So we do spend time fixing things that broke, so to speak. But 75% of what we do is about us getting better at what we believe to be 
the way to, to go for our athletes and our, us as a team. Um, and I think that's the first thing that I would say. You have to have your vision and also where that where you're going to go with that and, and what it is that you need to support those athletes two, three years down the line. Um, so if you're an aspiring coach, you've got under 13s. Well, you know in three years' time they're going to be under 16s. You know, that isn't going to change. So what do you want yeah. them to look like when they're under 16s? What do you what do you think those the skills they'll need at under sixteen to 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 be good rugby players and then you've got to start putting that in at under thirteens you start working at them with the, with the things that you feel are important under sixteen you don't look at your thirteens and go well this is what we're you have to know where it is they're going and work backwards I that's how I I perceive it to be so you've got the vision of what that team will look like when they're under sixteen and mm. you'll travel with them because that's that tends to be what happens at at club rugby that the coaches travel through with their teams or even if they don't you have a, a, a form through with all but you know what they're going to be under 16s so work with them from 13s 14s 15s on a plan right through so you know what you're getting when you're under 16 so that's, that's the first that's brilliant Second, i really like i really like that fact that you, you know you split that into 75 percent, really focusing on where you want to go as a squad and then that 25 yeah. yeah. love that that's really great advice yeah and your second one go ahead go on Second one is about knowing yourself as a coach. So we're all, we all have our, you know, as you speak to a player, you say, right, this is your X factor. This is what you bring. And this, you know, and then you say to them, well, and these are your weaknesses. Well, it's the same as coaches. You, you, we have strengths, we have weaknesses. We know we have areas that are, we're absolutely, you know, uh, if there's a certain skill that has to be coached, I know which of my coaches is best at that. And I put them into those situations. That doesn't mean that we, we don't develop, uh, weaknesses but it's about knowing yourself it's also about knowing what flashes me up what what am I going to bite at what am I going to react to which isn't necessarily appropriate and knowing that so that I can hear it coming or I can control those those impulses that I may have that doesn't help an athlete or help a team um, and and if I'm honest something like that I, I used to be shocking around referees I, I mean some would say I am <laughs> I was going to ask you to elaborate on an example there go on you just give me yeah. it go <laughs> yeah 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 well, some some may say I am still, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not in the same way. Not in the same way. So I used to ball and shout and get get all uptight and all emotional and all whatever when the penalty count is rising and rising and rising against us and we can't play the game because you know from from my perspective a, a, a referee needs to understand you know we have one game where the penalty count was sixteen against us and six Ooh. to the opposition. Well, you can't play. You can't play with yeah. that and. And, and I also know that we weren't 16 worse than the, our opponent. We just ended up being the side that got he, he focused on. And when we went back through the game together, which we, we, we did, he 100% acknowledged that. But by me losing the plot around it does not yeah. help my team in any way. Sure. And it just puts the referee under more pressure. And then the referee starts to panic and do all sorts of other things or gets him angry and then goes, right, you know, that's it. Yeah. And, and that's really, really good advice for coaches because your emotions on the side of the pitch for your players to see sometimes and it's not good, is it, at all, especially if you become overreactive. Oh, and that's 100%. so funny you to say that because I've actually witnessed that from you as well. <laughs> and that's also yeah, a sign of curiosity. I do, I'm, and I'm well aware. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm well aware that, that that is what's inside me and I have, to, I have to feel it. I have to know it and I have to. So now I, I still can't keep quiet. I am an, a passionate, emotional emotional individual on match day but yeah. that's but but I now understand it much better and I, I think it's good for my team to know how much I care because why would I do this if I don't care 
Exactly. So, you know, when, when I watch Jurgen Klopp running up and down the sideline punching the air, I love it because yeah. I just think, well, you know, <laughs> it, 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 his results matter to him. His players matter to him. Well, that's, that's kind of who I am. But, yeah. and, and why would I have to wear a mask on match day to pretend that's not who I am? So mm. I'm not being natural. I'm not being authentic if I'm, if I'm stony-faced because that isn't who I am. But at the same time, I have to control that to not let it go too far because that doesn't help my place. So know yeah. myself and, and also in conversations and in, in all sorts of things, you, you, I've got to know when an athlete might challenge back on something that might touch one of my buttons, I, I can't let that overpower the conversation because that means mm. that I'm not doing what I should. So knowing yourself is really important and what flashes you up and what works and all that. And then the third one would be to have high expectations. I, I you know, my, uh, many, many, many of my disappointments come from the fact that I have such high expectations. However, that said, so people could say, well, then don't have such high expectations. You won't be so upset by yourself. Okay, I get that. But also several of my successes have come because my expectations have been so high and I've taken teams to places that they didn't think they could go because I have such high expectations. So you have that thing in sport, which is, I think, why I love sport so much, where you have every range of emotion. So, you know, you watch a final where everybody's worked all season, God knows how many years towards, and you have a winner and a loser, and you have the two extremes of emotion on the pitch in front of you. You have those leaping about the place, and you have those sat on the floor with tears rolling down their face and what have you. And mm. that's why sport is just so compelling, because it brings out everything. Every that. emotion. You can never imagine. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's that's why I love it. So having those high expectations, it's, you know, you, you have to push hard. You have to keep going. It's bloody hard work. Mm. It's all of those things. But from high expectations come wonderful things, provided you can cope as well with the fact that you're not always going to get there. Absolutely. That's just fantastic. Three pieces of brilliant advice there, you know, and that, that last one, high expectations, you know, stretching and challenging your athletes, you know, is, is something I really believe in as well. So I'm loving those three pieces of advice and there. Yourself. So. And, yourself. and yourself. And yourself as well. And yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And that, that ties in, this all ties in really nicely with my next question now. So I want to explore, because obviously you um, spent, uh, was it was it five years you worked with Teddington Antlers Men's First 15? Yeah, that was that was an interesting time because I had I was working with the England 20s women. I was running London Irish Ace, setting it up and running London Irish Ace wow. and coaching Teddington Atlas as I well as as well as, up, as well as up as well as bringing up three children. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it was absolutely phenomenal you know I, I know your husband yeah. well but um yeah just I don't he's know how you manage he's a good man <laughs> he certainly is <laughs> but what just an incredible achievement you know just coaching an England and 20s a men's team and and also setting up the dice program yeah, so um, yeah well yeah so it was ace at that time but yes ace, so, so it was running and running that yeah. I had yeah yeah down so they gave me that yeah it was, it was a special, special time. Learned absolutely masses, obviously, um, yeah. and my, developed my own philosophy of the game very, very quickly because I was coaching sides all over the place, um, male and female athletes at the time. So uh, the female athletes, obviously, in the 20s were aspiring to be elite. The London Irish Ace wanted to be professionals, and then Teddington Antlers were the reason they played. It was, was you know, social and wanting to be... Uh, it was that, that their main motivation was about spending time together. 
so but they but they were good and and uh, when when i got there they were a shambles but they i could see massive potential in them and they were massive potential my god i mean just sorry to interrupt you there but just going back there you know just in those three you had the england under 20s international you had a professional setup and also a social team so you had the whole um kind of range if you like of of rugby and men and women and both male and and female um yeah. Unbelievable. So, so const- just want to concentrate on tennis at the moment because you had you had so much success there. You know, sixty three unbeaten runs with you as head coach, yeah. two national cup wins. Talk, talk to me and four back to back promotions. Yeah. Talk to me about that first time when you walk. You know, as a female walking. I mean, I don't want to concentrate necessarily on on gender because you you know you are a rugby <laughs> you're a rugby coach. But talk to me about going in there at the start and and how what that journey was like for you. Well. It- if I, if I go right back to the beginning, so Teddington, I used to play for a long time ago. That was where I started. So um, it, it has connections and it's actually where I, I met my husband. So Teddington has a, a, a link in, in my heart anyway. Mm. And I got a call from the chairman of the club um, saying, look, um, at the, you know, at the time he said, look, our head coach, this was in, in August of one year. And he said, um, our coach has just walked out. It's all this, it's that. Um, do you know anyone that would take this on? And I know the chairman, you know, quite well, and I, I knew exactly what he meant. Yeah. So, the, 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 do, do you know anyone? It's like, do you know? Do you do this? Kind of yeah. Thing. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I, 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 we had a conversation, and I said, look, I, I don't know if I can make a difference to them. I need to, to see them. I said, look, just tell them you've got a guest coach for two sessions. I said, I'll need two sessions to just have a look at it and, and see what's what. So I went down there on the first session and there was, I don't know, 30-odd guys um, all out on the pitch and Gareth just introduced me and then off I went. And you could just see them looking at me. I mean, there was one, okay, who had stenciled across his forehead, what the hell do you know, right? It was just there. And and I I could flower that language up a bit, but I'll leave it to you on my phone. So the session, session, exactly. So the session started and, you know... I got them going and then about five minutes later this guy this particular one challenged me and said well what about this so I answered his challenge and then upped just up things just a little bit in terms of intensity level and then got them all going again and then he challenged me again and Mm -hmm. again I responded to his challenge answered his question went on again then he challenged me a third time and I did it exactly the same just answered his question carried on the session what have you anyway then it all just went carried on he came up to me at the end of it shook my hand and said that's the best session i've had in years so that was the first thing and that first 10 minutes and what do you put what do you put that down to um i was well prepared i was well planned um i responded i could respond i I knew the answers to his questions Mm. um i could respond to and and i was also very aware of his agenda good you know you 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 see it and 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 also about myself knowing that he was struggling with the fact that i was female and we have that problem. Not not all people do, but some people do. And the key, and like, the, key okay, the key, like you problem. said, the key, like you said there. Sorry again to interrupt you. Is you know is being well planned, well prepared, knowing what you're delivering, knowing what you're about, and and you, you smashed it by the signs of it. Oh, absolutely. But um, uh, well, I, I've been coaching years now, and I never ever go out on the field without my coaching plan in my pocket ever. Yeah. And I still, I'm quite happy to take it out of my pocket and refer to it in a session. Mm. I don't see that as a, as a weakness or whatever. Sometimes I need to, sometimes I don't. Mm. And, you know, when you've got a two-hour training session with elite athletes, mm. you, you, need, you need to have little things to keep you. You know, sometimes my session will 
will wander off a different path because it needs to. Mm. But most of the time, I need, you know, and I've never gone out without my session plan in my pocket. It just, mm. I have a plan. I never, ever assume that I can just go out and, and, and wing something. You can't. If you're going to no. coach the best of my ability, and I have those high expectations of myself as well as my athletes, and the other thing on that, my athletes travel a long way to, to be there or whether they do or they don't, they're giving up their time to be there and my job is to stretch them as far as I can. I have to be planned to do that. Mm. I can't I can't not be. So that's that's where anyway, then the second session I came back mm. and again there were some lads there who the captain of the side hadn't been there the first session. Well he was the second session and he was the first one to make an error. So he was the one who took the first consequence. <laughs> and he was like, oh, my God. And then we, we moved on and we went through it. And then I turned to Gareth afterwards. And I said, yeah, I think I, I said, you've got some, a talented group down here. I think I can make a difference. And then uh, they accepted it straight away. There was, it, it was a, a fascinating journey. Wow. What, what I, I, I feel, everybody else, so, you know, everyone else has an issue around my gender. Mm. It's not my issue, it's theirs. Yeah. So for me, I don't, I don't, I don't go out there and go. I'm a woman coaching. Mm. I just coach. Good. And I don't think a man goes out and goes. I'm a man coaching. No. He just coaches. Exactly. It's the, it's other people looking at me and seeing female. Yeah. Well, go past, go past skin deep, and just see me as what I'm doing in my job. You're coach. coach. And and all this male female thing, you know, I I have characteristics as a as a coach, mm. and I see. That, some people say might say, well, that's a female characteristic. Okay, it might be. But then you can also see that, that characteristic in some of my male counterparts. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and some things they do, you won't you might not see in me, but that's not because necessarily they're male. It's just who they are as a coach. Mm. And so many people get hung up on whether you are a man or a woman. Well, mm. in today's day and age, I've done all the training. I've done all the years experience. I've got all the knowledge of this and that. Does it matter that I'm female? For me, no. But some others, yes, hundred percent. I have. To I can't. I can't yeah, agree with you more. One hundred percent. And we're seeing more and more that's women now coming to that. You know, in Wales, you know, you've got the likes of um, Rachel Taylor, Kat Nicholas. You know, coaching men's teams, Ellen Evans. And I know, in, you know, you you've trailblazed that. You set that precedent, which is which is fantastic. And and you know, I think we're going to see more and more. And one of the questions I want to ask you is, um, you, you mentioned a couple of years ago now, you, you'd like to possibly like to coach the men's premiership side. Um, do you? Do you th- have you still got that aspiration and, and do you think you know you're going to see a female take up one of those roles and there are those high expectations is it something you'd still like to do it's a high, it's a high expectation isn't it yeah. well it's, it's a high expectation isn't it, it it's, it's something that pushes you beyond so be it whether whether you know you, you're you're coaching male premiership players whether you're coaching international female players whether you're coaching that's it, it becomes a another step up doesn't it so you know, if I say high expectations, then the aspiration has to be there. Whether whether it will happen in my 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 time, who knows? If my skill set is right for a particular job, and I am in a situation where the people who make that decision don't have an issue with whether my gender is the thing, because let's face it, that's the issue: is why why has a female not done it? Mm. Because the people who are putting the people in the jobs have an issue with a female doing it because it hasn't been done yet. Mm. So, you know, we broke we broke the marathon record this year. Well, not we, I say. <laughs> a human being broke 
broke. And I, I apologise, I can't remember the name of the guy who did it. No. But it's been broken this time, hasn't it? Yeah. Under, under two, two hours. It's just phenomenal. I can't but actually. The support system around him to do that. I know, it's phenomenal, isn't it? Unbelievable achievement. If you, if you look into that, exactly. But if you look into the, how it was done, it's it, it, the support system around him to do it was immense. Right from the technology of the shoes that he wore through to the pacemakers that were there through to um, different people. So it wasn't like somebody running, different people came in and ran different areas of the, the race with him. So just how that was done, you need support system. Well, to break glass ceilings, you need support system. So the lass that's just won the darts this week, she, she, she again, her name escapes me, which is really bad, but her she she beat a male in the World Pro yes. Darts this week, two was, days ago. Yeah, First woman to do it. Fabulous. The crowd went nuts. They did it was go brilliant. Nuts I loved it. Yeah. Again, sporting drama. But, yeah, she will have had support systems around her. The rules have to be changed to allow females to come into that. So it's yeah, her, name, her name was Fal Fal Fallon Sherrock. Fallon Sherrock was the There you go, name. Fallon. I remember, yeah, so, I remember that, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, absolutely fantastic. So it, but the support systems around her, the support systems around the sport to allow females to do that. And then you'll have people going, why is a woman in the competition? Why is this? Why is mm. that? You'll get some people that say that. Mm. And these are the, the ceilings. So for a glass ceiling to shatter, I get very excited when they do shatter because I know what's behind them. I know that it hasn't just happened just like that. There is a, you know, females refereeing in, in football and in rugby at the first games that they, they do. Any, any female that, that goes into an environment that hasn't been done before, she's had a lot of barriers to break but also a lot of people who are brave enough to allow her to break them and give her the platform to break them. So we as females have, that get that opportunity have to be good, mm. have to be really good so that we pave the way for the next one. But we need people around us who allow the platform to be presented. Yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah, I know. So in terms of premiership rugby, have we got the people around who allow us to do that? The answer is I don't know yet. Watch this space, I All say. All I can do is keep my skills set going. Yeah, all I can do, people like Rachel Taylor can do, people like yourself can do, is keep working hard, keep being ready, so when the opportunity presents itself, you will be good. Yeah, that's it. Hundred percent. That's all I can. Do. I'm liking it. Lay down the challenge. I say, brilliant. And then, um, what? How do, how do you stay on top of your coaching skill set? What what kind of things do you do? Again, more directed towards the young aspiring coaches as well. How do you manage to keep you know improving? As a coach, that's a really good question, and that's a really good question because, you know, I am so immersed in what I do because obviously it's full time or mm. have you, that there are moments where you just have to stop and go look back and go, where am I at? What am I doing? Have I done this well? Why is this happening? Why, you know, and and instead of just keep running on that treadmill because I'm telling you what, that treadmill speeds up and speeds up, mm. and, and in the women's game, the two of Premier Fifteens is just, you know, if you think back three years, it's oh, it's. Unrecognisable. Where, where we are now. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's going to keep going at that pace. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, as I say, you're not energetic. The, the, the treadmill pace is just going up and up and up. And you've just got to keep running as have the athletes faster and faster and faster. So getting that time to reflect is as to where exactly you are. Mm. You know, we do have breaks in the season and in terms of competition. And I do use those breaks to stop and look and say, OK, where are we at? And I go back through our, our, our games on, in the in the block that we've just had to really look at them because obviously week by week you pick out what's what and you move on because the next thing and that's the nature of elite sport um, but 
there are times where you've just got to then stop and look back and go, right, have I got this right? Oh, is the game plan that we're on right? Is the 75% what we're working on right? Mm. And, you know, it's all those things. I watch a lot of rugby, but I also watch a lot of other sport. I listen to podcasts. I read. I do all those things, partly because I'm, I'm just so fascinated by it. Yeah. And, and that's where I'd say, but, you know, having conversations with people because sometimes I can work in a bit in isolation. Mm. Because, you know, it, it's uh, Teddington was isolation. It was just me as the head coach. Uh, London Irish Ace, I had the, the, the London Irish staff, but obviously I was running the Ace section um, with Wasp Ladies. I'm the only full-time member of staff, but I have fabulous coaches around me now. Mm. And it's making sure I have to spend time to have conversations with them as well. So just talking to people, all that sort of stuff just keeps you moving forward yeah and I think that thing being you know you mentioned it you just alluded to it being reflective as well on how you're doing as a coach and possible areas that you need to improve and work on as well and it is important to take that time because like you said once you start coaching you get on that wheel and it's it's pretty mental isn't it so yeah no really good advice there well it is and and it is the isolation bird as well because you know you you, if you don't bounce your ideas off of other people Mm. you think you know nobody does some keeps doing something because they think it's wrong Mm. You do stuff because you think you're doing the right thing. But if you don't then allow courageous conversations to come in where you invite others to tell you what they really think, then you're, you keep going on that path because you're doing it because you think it's right. Mm. But until someone challenges you or asks you to think about something in a different way, you, you don't think about it in a different way, do you? No. And so it's making sure in that isolation you do talk to other rugby people, you do talk to other sport people, you talk to your players, you talk to your coaches, you talk to your your people above you, your chairperson, your this and that, and just say, look, what do you think? Mm. And be open. Open and honest. And that's, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's a difficult thing to do sometimes because sometimes what you hear isn't, more, isn't, isn't what always you, great. No, and it isn't, but, isn't what you want to hear, but, you know, sometimes it's important to listen yeah, to that advice as well. But it moves you forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, if you had your time again, <clears throat> is there anything, you know, what would you do differently in terms of your coaching career? You know, would, would you have done anything differently or not? Um, you see that, that that's a difficult one because mm. you know there there are would I have done it differently? Um, I th- I think I've been I, I, when I've taken jobs I've I've stayed in them for quite long periods of time. Mm. I think that's a, that's a good thing. I've I've you know I haven't just done a a couple of years fix and then disappeared somewhere else. Um, I've really worked it in the environments that I've that I've been in. Um, I've done, you know, men's, women's, what have you. I'm, I'm, it has all been very flat out. There might have been times where perhaps a bit more reflection might have helped, mm. um, where I can actually stop and go, wow, right, where am I at? What am I doing? But, but I kind of get there. Perhaps I might have got to certain things a bit quicker if I'd done that. Um, but I, I'm not one that looks back and says, oh, I wish I'd done this, I wish I'd done that, mm. because to a degree I believe we create everything happens for a reason there's lessons for me to learn um, and all the way through I've learned I've never felt stagnant and when I've, I've got to that point of feeling stagnant I've, I've stopped or I've moved on 
So I wouldn't have expected yeah. anything else from you with that answer. And, and, you know, just, yeah. just put that in just again for, for younger coaches, you know, just, just thinking about their journey. And I, the point I wanted to get across, which you've made brilliantly is, you know, you think about um, what you want to do, where you want to go, reflect on you as a person, but also um, if you become stagnant, that's time to reflect again and then move on to different mm. opportunities. Give the environment give the environment you're in now whether you believe that you should be in a higher one or different one the environment you're in now has lessons to teach you that's what i would say to younger aspiring coaches brilliant so if somebody really wants to coach a complete game but is working in in the amateur game at the moment that amateur game i'm telling you now has so much to teach you and that that is applicable to the elite game yeah 100 so if you're in an environment you're not not or you feel you should be more just give that environment everything you've got and coming from that will be the progression to the next level but the lessons that it teaches you as a coach whatever level you're in you've got to give it everything you've got because the lessons are there brilliant just going to do for them. brilliant and, and what's exciting you know is about the um, women's game in particular wow it's it's you know having been involved in it like yourself and from pretty much year dot um, <laughs> and if you, if, you, if you reflect back to you know, internationals that we played against each God. other. Yeah, when we played against each other, England, Wales, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, we stayed in youth hostels oh. and we paid the bills ourselves and we swept the floor and washed up the dishes. Cleaned the toilet, we I did, game. before we played you know, France. Yeah, well, there you go, you see. And, and, well, there you go. You so it's like, and now you look at what, where we're at yeah. and, and we're talking about, you know, sponsorship and, and, and elite athletes and full-time contracts and professional players and you know it's it's just immense and and so exciting to be with and you know the, the challenge for for us all in our in the Tyrrells at the moment is moving a sport from amateur to professional mm. well that's something I've never done yeah I've worked in the amateur I've worked in the professional but I've never had to move an amateur to professional and and that's where what I'm engaged in, in in terms of finance and budgets and sponsorship and commercial and media and all of that stuff that, that goes to supporting an, a, an elite team and a full-time contract players and, and then making sure if you've got them full-time, suddenly time is a, a different thing. So, you know, the, the women's game traditionally has all, all amateur sports. You get them Tuesday, Thursday and play. Well, that's not the case anymore. We're, we're coaching in the daytime. We're coaching just like in the, the men's environment. So what skills do you need to put in? How long do you keep them on feet? How much strength and conditioning do they need? Yeah. When does the body start to be so stressed <clears throat> that it's getting value? How much rest do you need? I mean, all these questions, it's just fabulous. And, you know, that's what we're now dealing with, not are we able to get 22 players to the right place and can they afford to pay for their shirts and all of that yeah. <laughs> where the game was yeah. you know and it's it's now it, it, it's just fantastic and so exciting and it's going to get bigger and bigger and it's you know women's sport in in general i mean this this year last year the explosion in women's sport both in terms of performance but in terms of spectatorship and fan base and people enjoying the sport people not now going oh it's women's sport they're, they're you know Wembley being filled oh, it's just, just incredible isn't it yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and do you think that sorry but do you think that ties in with the exposure the game's getting as well and um you know those those role models um I suppose leading on to my next question really um you know the creation of those role models um for, for women and girls to see um that women taking those places up on the, and, and the, the this uh, kind of media coverage that comes from that yeah, I mean, the, the big thing at the moment is if you can see it, you can be it. And I, I'm a, I, I've 
I buy into that big time. So uh, Fallon, who's just won the darts, well, there's all these little lasses now going, ooh, I could have a go at that. Absolutely. Because I've just seen her do Absolutely. it. Now, before that, you've only ever seen men up there chucking darts at the board, you know? And it's like, well, um, now there's people out, the little girls out there who've just gone, ooh, can I have a dartboard for Christmas? Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it, it just changes things and, and allows people to see. So without question that, that that's happening. Um, you know, some people don't like it. Megan Rapino, uh, you either love her or you hate yeah. her. But she, she, she's proud of what, you know, when she stood there and threw her arms out when she scored. Well, Cristiano Ronaldo does that every week. Absolutely. And nobody says, you know, yeah, but Megan Rapino did it. And they were like, oh, look at her, full of herself, arrogant, whatever. Oh, really? Change those, What's yeah, exactly. Change those perceptions. She was celebrating a fantastic goal. Exactly. No, I agree. And yeah. um, What's the difference? Yeah. But girls aren't supposed to do that. You know, come on. So it's 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 that sort of thing that's changing in front of our eyes at the moment. And and if that many people are filling Wembley, they're not filling them because they're just going out of curiosity. They're going because they love it. They're going because they enjoy the the sport. They enjoy the way that the, the women are playing. They enjoy the competition. And that's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the media are following suit. Games are now, you know, I turn on my TV now and I can watch women's yeah, sport. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. You know, and I, I, I watch men's sport. I watch women's sport. You know, I'm a, for my sins, I'm a Chelsea season ticket holder. And I, I go and watch Chelsea play and I love it. And I go and watch, I go, you know, obviously I'm watching women's rugby week in, week out. I go and watch, I watch sport and it's, I watch it because I love it. And I love it because women play. I love it because men play. I love it, whatever. So it's 50% of the population is female. So get over it and realise that it's it, the revolution is on its brilliant. way. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> you know, it's been your passion comes through. And, and there's so many girls and women out there. They're so lucky to have you as a, as a coach and know you as a person. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this morning. I could chat to you all day. I genuinely I could. Um, and if you want to hear more, guys, just visit rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button to visit the women's section. Thanks again, Giselle. It's been, like I said, a real pleasure. Um, thank you all for listening. Have a lovely festive break and we'll see you all soon. Cheers.